Guys, we are back. It's our newest episode. It's Friday. We are here and we are ready for it. Yes, welcome to episode six. I, mean, I can't believe we're on episode six already. It feels like yesterday we started this. It does. And yet at the same time, I feel like we've been doing this ages. So loving how natural it's all become. Yeah, it definitely is just kind of flowing a bit better now. I hope you guys can hear that it just sort of the segues are getting more streamlined, I think is what I would say. Well, we're trying. And sure, luxury isn't that all that matters. Yeah, exactly. That's the Irishness in us coming out, like, sure look. Sure listen. Okay, Al, what do we have on the agenda today? So, this week, I think last week, we almost admitted it ourselves. It was maybe a bit quiet on the whole news front, but this week is kind of different. And we could almost have had, like, 10 topics that we would want to talk about or that we could have talked about. So we've whittled it down to, like, the main ones that we think are going to have maybe the biggest impact over the next little while. So I guess we'll start with Joe Biden. Yeah, to be honest, Alex, I can't think of a better place for us to start. Um, We'll give some context as to why it is that we're talking about Joe this week, but plenty of opinions are floating around. Yeah, he is definitely the talk of the town a little bit, especially in the like American political scene. I feel like we've talked about American politics is this two weeks in a row now but it's it's important and I think it's also I think it's fun for us to maybe give a more like a light-hearted slash outsider's perspective on it so that's interesting it is especially because like some people might not be into the world of politics some people might not be interested in politics abroad so we're just trying to give everyone a little sampler as to what we find interesting anyway but Al you are the politics head why don't you tell us who Joe Biden is okay so wow well basically Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president for eight years. That was him. He was his running mate. They got on really well. I'm sure everyone has seen the memes and them kind of like joking and having the best of time together. He then obviously when Barack leaves the White House, so does Joe Biden and has kind of been fairly quiet maybe for the last two, three years, basically since 2016. But as we all know, there is a 2020 election And Joe Biden is widely rumoured to be running for president, but he has sort of run into these issues. And most recently they've resurfaced, which they're kind of, they're almost on the verge of derailing that whole candidacy. So yeah, for Joe Biden, I'm a little bit scared, but basically more women now, because it happened maybe like a year ago, there was like whispers and there was videos going everywhere of him kind of being overly handsy with people at events and in public places. And it was kind of all over Twitter and blew up a little bit. And then it died back down again, you know, that he wasn't in the spotlight. So I guess the story didn't fuel itself. But now when those like kind of stirring of him running for election, we're reintroduced to this. And now two more women have come forward and claimed that he has made them feel uncomfortable and had touched them inappropriately. Yeah, I would say the first thing for me is I think to say that it's going to derail kind of the beginning of hit of the rumors and at least towards the candidacy i think that's a bit strong just basing it off who the elected president of the united states is at the moment i don't think it would derail it i do think it is important the fact that it's already that so basically for anyone who doesn't know a few women have said that at various events over the years that uh joe biden had would have say for instance have hugged them for what they felt is too long or would have placed his hand on their person in a place that made them uncomfortable so no one is claiming that they that he that they were select, sexually harassed by him or that they were assaulted or anything, but that they were made to feel uncomfortable. So that's a huge, huge kind of difference when he's put on the whole situation. 
it's just a case of and I think what's interesting is I think it's testing the waters of what the media reaction is going to be towards say anything in the future and this could easily actually be a play by his team you know by his his PR team to see how is the world going to handle this kind of sensation because who knows what could be uncovered down the line and maybe they're just trying to test the waters yeah definitely I mean front page stories and kind of 24-7 news coverage on a topic like this can be huge blows to candidacies and for campaign runs so let's not under represent that what I would say is that we kind of have Donald Trump to I don't know whether you want to use the word thank or to blame for this but I think when he got elected into power, into power sounds weird, but when he was elected, he kind of just shook the whole world. And we saw, especially in America, we saw this kind of long overdue reaction there. We were now, we weren't letting sexual harassers or anything like that. We weren't letting them get away with it anymore. We were going to hold these men usually to account. And it, I think that was a direct response to Trump being elected as president. If Trump you know, if we couldn't stop Trump getting elected, we were sure as heck we're going to stop anyone else from being elected. And I think some of that has to play in here. You know, I think we can report on stories like this without going into a feeding frenzy is what I would say. And I feel like the media have a huge part to play in both how this story is communicated with the voting public in America, but also just us in general. I think it's also important that we don't directly compare someone like Joe Biden to Donald Trump in the sense that Donald Trump is you know, he has a contempt-filled view of women and I don't think anyone can really deny that. Well, actually, you still see people at Trump rallies with, like, Trump, like, Women for Trump t-shirts and stuff on it. So, America is really, like, it's, oh, they're fucked over there. Like, they really are. But I think it would be wrong for us to compare the two of them, even though that might be our initial go-to observation, is to compare who's in the White House now with who might be in the White House in just over a year's time. But I think when, like you said, like you alluded to earlier, Laura, we're not really talking about the same type of thing. Like Trump, the, we've all heard that take. Like we've heard what he says. We've heard the allegations. This isn't what's being leveled at Biden. It's equally as kind of cringy, I guess, and almost un, like it's un, it's unsavory to think of someone replacing Trump who is equally as devious as him. And I just don't think that's what we're getting ourselves into with Joe Biden. Yeah, that's it exactly, because it's quite interesting because I don't think there are any parallels between Biden and Trump in the in terms of they, they seem to be very, very different people. They have very different policies. They have very different political backgrounds. But it's just so interesting to see us comparing these two men, particularly if Joe Biden is going to run for office, because there's very few fa- parallels between them and I feel that people are going to reach for them now being like, oh, are we going to get another misogynist? Or are we going to get someone who's going to sexually harass women? It's just not the same situation. However, I do agree with what you were saying there a couple of minutes ago about the whole to blame to thank Trump thing. It is a few one of the few things that I think has any, that has revealed any redeeming qualities over the last year and a half, couple of years, whatever it is now, in terms of Trump, is the fact that people are questioning a lot of things a lot more. So such as like these interactions and stuff like that, people go through these uncomfortable interactions weekly, sometimes daily, depending on what their job is or what their daily life is. So it is great the fact now, at least I believe, that people are questioning 
you know like should this be happening should people be speaking up because for years and years and years no one was speaking up over such a small thing because they didn't want to rock the boat they didn't want to cause a controversy they didn't want to make anyone else uncomfortable by discussing this so just to make to bring these things to light and to make them feel more important because of the fact like no one should be made feel uncomfortable and hopefully it's just a case of if Biden reads these or if his team get on to him and say like, look, this is going around, you need to address this, it'll at least cause him to rethink his conduct with people because this is standing for years now. He's been known to be a physically affectionate guy and he has been for years, but hopefully it will cause him and maybe even other people to question how it is that they're interacting with, with others. I know that I have been the past couple of years since it's become more prevalent that people discuss physical interaction. Like I always make sure that in my working life that I'm being very, very particular or if I have to touch someone that I'm saying to them, like, oh, are you comfortable with me doing this? For anyone who's confused by that statement, I work, I work as a costume designer. So that's why it's important to give context here. And <laughs> then <laughs> you need to know, Alex. Maybe I was like, Laura, I mean, y'all. Oh. But... I think that this is at least leading a good conversation to maybe have people open their eyes a little bit as to how people should interact and just kind of what is the right route. Because sure, there can be some context given that like, oh, this is just too extreme. He's only hugging her or he's only had his hand on her arm. It's like, yeah. And, and again, no one is claiming sexual assault or harassment, but you should be thinking about how it is, like what your actions are doing to someone else and if they're making them comfortable or not. Exactly. And I think if these women fe- felt that it overstepped a boundary, they are more than entitled to express that. Um, and we have a uh, obligation to listen to that. What, Where I feel like we get into maybe a little bit of kind of like troubled waters with this whole thing is that I think, yes, we need to be addressing people's allegations. We need to be discussing them. We need to be open. We need to be receptive. But then what ha- we need to be, especially I'm talking about the media, especially, we need to be careful with how we report things like this. And we kind of saw with Hillary Clinton's emails, like that story was everywhere. And I think for the most part, anyone outside of America didn't really care. It didn't seem to be that big of a deal. She was exonerated. It was like, you know, we were all fine here. But it was the press that kept pushing that story. It was on the front page every day. It was like headline news. And what it did was it provides ammunition for people who want to keep someone like Trump in power. So... I think we should just be a bit more mindful of how we discuss and how we debate these things, but also remaining totally open to these allegations and their truthfulness. Exactly. Because, you know, unless like you can't give airtime to something unless there has to have some grain of truth or fact or at least some bite to it that makes people like want want to reel you in. So, of course, there's a reason why we're all talking about this. And I suppose... It does link back to Trump and the fact that, you know, everything that the man has done and said that has been proven, like no one wants a tape two again. No one wants to have Trump 2.0. And, and to be fair, if we got that, I think I don't think I pray that we never could. But and I'm not saying that Joe is, to be perfectly honest. Anything that I've read about the man besides this has always seemed positive. But I'm just all about be conscious of how you make someone else feel. And hopefully, if he reads some of the articles that are going around, it'll cause him to rethink his actions. Yeah, I think it's even good to see that. I think a lot of these things aren't recent enough in the sense that this wasn't last week. It was 
a couple of years ago before maybe the initial wave of people saying that he was too handsy. So hopefully he's learned from it the first time and this is just kind of nailing home that lesson that he hopefully has already learned. Exactly. I think it's also important to note that we, as we stand in this current moment of time, Joe Biden has not announced that he will run for the Democratic nominee for president. So at this particular moment, I mean, look, I fully expect that to happen. I think it's going to happen soon because if it doesn't happen soon, then I don't think it can happen. You know, time's kind of slowly ticking by. I feel like he's always been playing for a kind of late entry into the race. He's let everyone else announce and then he'll come in. He's a big name. He's well-known in America. So it, he doesn't need the kind of build-up that maybe a Kamala Harris might need or a Kirsten Gillibrand. He doesn't need that. He just needs a kind of a spark. But at the current moment of time, he is just a civilian. I think another thing that's interesting to note, though, is this could be a bit of a PR ploy in terms of and see what the waters are like. And you never know, it could actually be... a uh, a setup on on the Biden's on the Biden's team. You never know. But like I just think it's kind of interesting so soon to when should be him releasing a statement to say that he's running for candidacy. I just think it's kind of interesting timing when you consider how many years all of these span over. Like one of the, the one of the times that a person had felt uncomfortable by a physical embrace by him was back in twenty twelve, like seven years ago. So it's just it's it's interesting to kind of, you know, take into consideration. Yeah, definitely. I guess I haven't really thought of it like that, but I mean, if this scandal breaks and in a you know in two weeks' time it's not the talk of the ten anymore and it's kind of over, you know, I guess that makes that that speaks good of his campaign going forward. Then and also, it might be a good plan to kind of get this out of the way before you even start campaigning, and then you campaign on a kind of clean slate and you say, okay, well that was controversy, and you know, I'm sure he will come out and maybe. I don't know whether he'll apologize, but I feel like he'll have to at least acknowledge the accusations. But then once the campaign starts officially, it's kind of not forgotten, but it's not going to hamper him as much had it happened maybe in October, just before the debates. Exactly, because that type of stuff can really derail someone when they don't expect it. So I feel if anything, he's kind of gotten lucky with timing and always assuming that he's going to run for candidacy. But it's just... I think it's a, fort- a fortunate thing for him to have happened now, particularly something that is controversial, but not damning. So one of the other big stories this week is concerning the tiny little country of Brunei. Yeah, so the facts are as follows. Basically, it's a very tiny nation. It's in Asia for anyone who doesn't know. As of, I believe, April 2nd or 3rd, anyway, a new law came into effect where there's going to be a death penalty going to be invoked for sodomy and for adultery. And it's not even the fact that it's a death penalty that's been taken into effect, but it's death penalty by stoning. Yeah, which is a particularly gruesome image. And it has really just kind of caught the Western world by storm completely so it kind of in a way it nearly leads back to what we were discussing last week in terms of when we were discussing little mix performing in dubai i feel that the whole world it's just getting a bit off kilter with in terms of so things are still so archaic and so barbaric the fact that say for instance it's illegal to be gay in dubai as we were saying last week now there's this new law being invoked now 2019 April of 2019 for a death penalty for sodomy and adultery. It just, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. It's the exact 
opposite way in which I saw the world going and that I think we all would want the world to go. And like you say, it's so scary to think that this isn't some, you know, antiquated law that is still hidden in your constitution. This is something that they have actively pushed for since 2014. So they introduced Sharia law in Brunei in 2014. And even then it received kind of international condemnation. And at the time they were like, okay, well, we're going to introduce this, but it's going to come in kind of at a staggered rate. So we're not going to just do it all in one go. It's going to be sort of slowly introduced. And that was seen as kind of maybe just to placate the Western world. But now what we see now is it we're like, I'm, I'm proud of us though as well, that we're all, I think unanimously kind of critiquing and criticizing that country. Cause that just isn't something that should be written into your law in 2019. No, exactly. It's just, it's bizarre, especially because a lot of people try to make arguments for, say, different nations or maybe even different continents because like, oh, no, there's a cultural difference. I don't care if there's a cultural difference. No one should be stoned to death for anything, but for adultery and for sodomy, like for like, it's not even for murder. It's for adultery and for sodomy. It's just barbaric. Yeah, it's medieval, like is what it is. And it's to the point where See this again, I feel like not to critique the left, I'm a liberal, I'm a leftist, but we can get into this mode where we're afraid to like criticize anything because for fear it might, you know, offend someone or something. But sometimes you need to call out people on their bullshit. And this is bullshit. And if we I don't know, I wouldn't feel comfortable with us all sitting by and being like, Oh well, that country just made like, you know, half my friends kind of basically illegal and, you know, isn't allowing them to live their best lives. Like that's not okay to me. So it's important that we take a stand and we go, you know what, Brunei, that's not okay. And so what we've seen now is we've seen people, especially in Hollywood, who are really, and admirably so, using their privilege for the betterment of the entire world. So Ellen DeGeneres has spoken out about this, George Clooney, probably the two biggest names that I've seen so far. I don't know, have you seen any like bigger names than them? Um, as far as I've seen, I've seen Ellen Pompeo, Ellen DeGeneres, George Clooney, anyone else? They're the first three that I can list off the top of my head anyway, but big names anyway, who are being drawn in, who don't even identify with the LGBT community. Well, Ellen does. Sorry, obviously Ellen does. Sorry, I was thinking of the other two. Don't mind me. Queen lesbian, like she definitely identifies. But I feel like what we've seen is, so basically they're calling for this boycott of the Sultan of Brunei owns this company and this company owns some of the biggest hotels in some of the biggest and most major western cities so paris london new york la he uh, and they're calling for a boycott of these hotels by everyone and like you know i don't know whether like these people it's an oil rich country brunei so i don't know whether this is just a drop in the pond to them but you would hope it has some type of lasting impact and maybe would force them to rethink their current outlook on homosexuality and the like i don't know maybe maybe it will literally be nothing to them but you've got to try at least and that's what they're doing and i applaud those people that we've mentioned for that i do appreciate them and i do admire them for using their platforms as well particularly because obviously these this new law that's gone that's gone into effect now it obviously doesn't affect them directly so i'm glad that they've drawn attention to it because before Today, I hadn't heard of this law going into effect. And then it came up in one of the Instagram stories that was on my feed. And I looked into it and I was like, wow, okay, that's absolutely bizarre and crazy. I cannot believe this. 
And so I reposted it myself, not because I thought that my post was going to do anything to contribute, but it educated me. So I was hoping that it would do the same thing for someone else. And it did, um, per chance, a friend had messaged me to ask what it was about. But I'm just wondering, what can we do as, you know, someone who wouldn't frequent these these hotels in Europe or in the US? Like, how is it that we can help by showing that this that that this is just wrong and that it's just archaic and that this it's just I feel like sharing something like that on Instagram it's only going to have so much of an effect for instance in my sphere it's just going to educate people as to what is happening but otherwise what else can we do to to stop this yeah well I think we have to be a little bit realistic in that if that country was particularly concerned with the Western world's opinion of themselves, I don't think they would have introduced Sharia law in 2014. So I think we need to remember who we're talking about here. I think it's important, though, even if it doesn't have any impact in that country, we're all making a stand, you know, to say, well, that's over there, but that sure as hell won't be happening here. And we're against it. And it, like, if, if there's trying to be some type of, like, spread of that kind of idealism, it's not going to work and it's not going to fly here. And you're wasting your time. And so even that, I think can be not enough it's never going to be enough but even just letting everyone know that okay your rights are safe here i think is an important message to send yes and i think that is a good consolidation because it it's it's just it's scary to think of where we are in society now and how progressive some things have been and some countries have been but to still see some some people taking so many steps back in so many ways like it just it's upsetting because we shouldn't be seeing these type of laws. So I think that is a fair statement to make that like this isn't going to be happening where we are and we're not going to stand for it. And I suppose seeing all of these people out there reposting this on their social media or even just having these big A-list celebs bringing attention to this is great to the extent of at least we kind of know in society where we stand and what morals people have. So that's good at least. Yes, definitely. And I think we've seen, not to make this, this podcast is not about Trump. I feel like we have talked about him quite a lot the last couple of weeks. But I think what happened with 2016 was maybe the first time that I've at least acknowledged that maybe the world wasn't going the way I wanted to wanted it to. So, you know, I went to bed fully on that night thinking that I was waking up to the first ever female president of the United States of America. And we all know that's not what happened. I think that was the first time that I kind of clocked the fact that there were these other people out there who didn't want what I wanted and who didn't want everyone to be able to love whoever they wanted or for, for you know gender to be basically a non-relevance instead there are people out there who do care that Hillary Clinton was a woman and who do care if you like men or you're a woman and you like women like people still care about these things that for me I felt like we were all universally moving towards an acceptance of those things and I think it's important that we don't rest on the laurels that we've placed in our countries and that even if this isn't to do with us we are still not okay with it and i think that's a good thing moving off more important topics because they are compared to what our next story is going to be and just moving into something a bit more trivial but slightly entertaining and worth discussing is the fact so obviously it was april fools the other day we are in our first week of april happy belated april fools people however there was a really when i say stupid i'm i'm not saying like particular okay 
it was kind of stupid. Basically, Justin Bieber, the pop star, for anyone who doesn't know, I'd be very surprised if you don't, because to be honest, he's been in the limelight for the past like 10 years or so. Anyway, he's gotten married there in the last year and himself and his young wife have been together for, yeah, a year or so now. But anyway, he had posted on April Fool's that she was pregnant and then everyone was claiming, oh, April Fool's, April Fool's, April Fool's. But then he put up another chain of photos that were of his wife Haley in at a doctor's appointment and it all looked very legit it looked like it was a gynecologist appointment and so then people were like oh my god congratulations this is incredible wow and then within a couple of hours he put up yet another photo and it was like a dog or something in the sonograph as opposed to a baby I think it's stupid but kind of entertaining Alex what's what's your take on it all I find him kind of insufferable so I didn't find it funny but also I wasn't offended by it either and actually I'm a Bieber fan I everyone knows I have my little Bieber merchandise I rock it I love it but like stuff like that I feel like it's kind of like childish and like unnecessary and you know just like not really my type of vibe to be honest I think April Fool's Day in general is such a oh such a tired ass holiday so I literally just oh, I have no time for April Fool's but the kind of backlash that I've seen him have to deal with, I'm surprised by it a little bit. I think, so I too, I'm, I'm not a fan of his music to be perfectly honest. And I've never been a, a particular fan of his just because it's never drawn to him. And of course there were those years when he was problematic and everything. But I just think of this whole situation, it's just an example of how some people get really, really bogged down in details of things. It was, it was stupid and it was not well thought out at all. Like it was unnecessary. And of course, it was also just very obvious the fact that you're not going to release the fact that you were pregnant on April Fool's Day. So the fact that some people took it seriously from the get-go is kind of, is kind of ridiculous because I remember the first photo that I saw of the whole chain of photos from the day was the one of himself and his wife in the doctor's appointment. And I was like, oh, wow. But then all I could think was, no, no, it's April Fool's Day. So some people got very bogged down in the fact that, oh, you're being really insensitive to people who can't get pregnant. You're being really insensitive towards people who are pregnant. You're being insensitive towards the whole subject matter. So I do feel bad that some people got offended by the subject matter because obviously, you know, it can be very, it can be very touching and it can also be very hard for some people to discuss these type of things. But for something as trivial as an April Fool's joke, it just seems so so blown out of proportion for me. Yeah, and that's exactly how I, how I would feel about the whole thing. I just think it's such a lame joke to begin with, giving it the kind of amount of energy that I've seen people give it to react to it is kind of strange to me. I'm like, I can understand why people could be offended by it. I also think we're my, like, I don't know, it, it didn't offend me but I'm not the person who's supposed to be offended by or who would be offended by that. But I just, I don't know. I've kind of, I think it's always telling how, if you told me that you were offended by something, and even if I wasn't personally offended by something, if I thought that your offense was kind of a genuine reaction to it, I would initially just back you because, you know, I'm like, okay, you would know more about that and you're offended by it. So I'm going to help you in that way. Does that make any sense? I don't know if it makes sense. I don't know. I feel like when I saw this, outrage in kind of air quotes I kind of just rolled my eyes a little bit I was like oh for fuck's sake that I was like you know like the 
again, it's kind of like the Shane Dawson thing. The most kind of perverse thing that Bieber's guilty of is that it wasn't fucking funny, you know? Yeah, and so I I didn't think of it in the in the way that you had said it there, that if you knew someone who was offended, that you would kind of instantly take their side, because of course that's not actually what you're going to do for a friend or a family member you care about. But I think even he identified that as well, because he's now released another another post on his Instagram, which apologizes for the prank. And he was explaining why he made the prank and why he thought that it was quite obvious it was a prank. But he at least owed up to the fact he's like, look, I offended and I've upset people. That was not my intention at all. That was quite opposite the intention of what I intended. I'm sorry. I realized that it wasn't mature. I've, I, and then he, now in fairness to him, I found this kind of funny. He had said that how he had made, he had misjudged something before when he was at his younger sister's birthday and he like shoved cake into her face, assuming she'd laugh and, and she cried. And he's like, now I'm not trying to compare the two situations, you know, being pregnant to cake in the face. I'm just trying to show you where I messed up before. That kind of had me in stitches. I thought it was hilarious. Bless the guy for trying. But at least he's owning up to the fact that he did something stupid. And he wouldn't have done that a couple of years ago because the poor guy was just so messed up with all of the problems that he was going through. So at least he's grown from the situation. Yeah, I think that's a really good lesson for us all to take from just life in general. I think, first of all, I found his apology to be very sincere and genuine and his whole anecdote about the sister cake thing made me kind of be like, okay, you get it. And, you know, so we can all learn from things. And, you know, he misjudged a situation. He thought it was funny. And I'm sure people did find it funny. I don't know. I haven't seen very many people be like, ah, ha, ha, it's so funny. But I'm sure someone somewhere did. But at least he was willing to acknowledge that he had, you know, misstepped and he, he's willing to move past it. And it's sort of, he kind of put it to rest a little bit and acknowledged his shortcomings. And I think we could all take a little bit of something out of that, that it's never, you're never too old or too proud to admit that you're wrong. And that's a really important thing to take into adulthood, I think in general, is that you're always wrong sometimes. And the most important thing to do about those times is just to acknowledge it and, you know, make yourself a better person for it. Exactly. And sure, look, if Justin Bieber, with all of his all of his flaws and his imperfections and his perfections and his greatness, whatever you want to think of the guy. If he can at least identify that he did something stupid and learn from it, anyone can. I have to say for this week, the thing that I've been most excited to discuss has to be the release of Billie Eilish's newest album. Same, Laura. And also my heart stopped when you were about to say her name because I was worried that you were going to say Billie Eilish or something. I'm like, no, we don't have time for that. <gasps> Eilish. And that's just it. I've seen people absolutely butcher that name. And I'm like, guys, like, no, like, listen to how I'm saying it. Listen to how she says it. Listen to how everyone, like, normal says it. That's who you say it. Like, eyelash and all. Like, no, it's not funny. Her name is Billie Eilish. <laughs> oh my God, I haven't heard that yet. Okay, that is low-key funny. However, sure. the one thing that I have to agree with is that just always bothers the crap out of me is when a person says their own name, but someone else will say it differently. I'm like, just listen to how the person who was named this pronounces their name and just run with it. Yeah, exactly. Just like, you know, let them have their name. It's their name. You know, they know. Exactly. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know Billie Eilish, Eilish guys, mm. Billie Eilish is, for me, just like a music sensation. She's 17 years old. She's been out and about doing bits, I'd say from, what is it, two years, Al? Uh, probably nearly three. I think Ocean Eyes came out when she was 14 and she's 17 now. So two to three years, I guess. 
Yeah, she's incredible. Like she's got this brilliant musicality to her. Her brother, anyways, in the music business, I feel like her mom and dad could be as well. Would have to fact check that. Actually, sorry to interject there. This whole album is just produced by him. So he's the producer. So he produces, it's just him and her in his like old high school bedroom. So like that's him. His name is Phineas, I think, like Phineas and Ferb. But he's like hugely, his hand is in the pie. Like That's incredible. I didn't know that. And when you hear how well produced this album is, that's kind of incredible. Yeah, the production is insane. On every track, I think, on every single song, it's amazing. Talking about her debut album, which came out this week, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? And yeah, I feel like we're both equally as spellbound by it. Yeah, it's brilliant. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's I'd say there's maybe 45 minutes worth of content in there. There's 14 songs. I'll go in in a little bit as to what my favorite songs are. But if you haven't listened to her music before, first of all, she's an amazing vocalist. She's got really kind of clear vocals. She just, she knows how to utilize her voice well. But what is brilliant for me about this album is that there's a lot of different tones to the different songs. It's a very good album to be able to listen to on a bus if it's a day raining because you get some really good slow melodic kind of sad songs and you feel like you're in a movie. And there's these really new conceptual synthy songs that are just very on brand for kind of where music is going in 2019. I think she has a great ear for music and just what is kind of what should be coming out at the moment. Yeah, and I also think it's there's no one else making music like Billie Eilish is making music. It's dark, it's kind of funky, but it's also strangely relatable, I guess is the word I would use. And a lot of her thoughts, for someone so young, she's 17, it's crazy to me. that like I, I don't like to like you know fixate on people's ages, but like she's 17 and she's just released, I think, one of the most self-assured debut albums of all time. Oh, definitely. And I think, to be honest, I think we have to highlight her age when we're discussing it because she is so, she's she's such an old soul. The fact that she understands so many complex feelings and she's such a clever lyricist. The fact that she can put her thoughts into words so eloquently that it, it just, it's beyond her age. So that's why I think it's so important for us to highlight the fact that she's literally 17 years old and that there are people who are twice her age, like musicians, who think that she's phenomenal and who want to collab with her because she's literally that ahead of her time yeah she really is exemplary in every nature she reminds me a lot of lord in that i would say well in certain ways so lord pops up out of pretty much nowhere the 16 year old new zealand woman who basically her and one other guy produced this like masterpiece of an album a debut album at that and she just exploded everywhere i think not so much sonically but definitely in how she like that kind of like goth pop i guess uh, element i think they have in common but I think Billie has maybe been a bit more of a slow burn in that, like I said, she released Ocean Eyes in 2014 and kind of ever since then has been fairly, has been a kind of like the poster child on like pop blogs and music blogs for literally the last three years because what she was creating was so new. And Laura did that in 2014, I want to say. Don't quote me on the day, on the year, sorry. I think it was 2014, Pure Heron came out. And Laura did that and that's what I think Billie did and is doing i think she's sort of switching up the game and you're going to see now that a lot of people are going to start making music more in this kind of like alt pop vein because she's done it and done it so well yes and to be honest i never would have made that parallel before with lord and i love lord the two of them especially when you think of them together actually they have a very similar kind of musical sense that they 
do go for these darker tones and yet at the same time they manage to create music that radio is going to want to play and that's a very hard thing to do with this kind of gothic style of music so I think that Billy has just she's done a great job there's so many songs on here that she can release as singles that, that radio stations all over the world are going to want to play and she's bringing back this sense of music that we haven't seen kind of since like the early noughties this kind of grungy style but she's just cleaned it up and she's given it a nice fine polish and i just think it's a very very well-made album well, it's exceptionally well made i think she has you keep talking about musicality i think it's undeniable that she is hugely talented i think what i like about her like obviously her lyrics, her voice are all, her voice is incredible. There are so many different layers to it. She kind of whisper talks. It sometimes sounds like she's barely even singing. It's more like this kind of breathy, it's very breathy, but then at other times she can hit notes that are quite guttural in nature. It's really great. But I think what I was drawn to, at least on my first few playthroughs, was her great use of negative space. So what I mean by negative space is like literally silence. And she often just lets stuff mellow and you know you might find even in bad guy which she kind of released alongside the album as like almost like a lead single there's like maybe like four seconds of just silence before like a final breakdown happens but it feels like so much longer it feels like a real statement of silence which is obviously a contradiction but that's what it feels like her willingness to just be quiet is really powerful or at least it was to me i i think her use of negative space is just amazing because of the fact it allows what you've just heard to marinate in your head while you're still anticipating what's about to come next and just how many songs do you get to listen to kind of give you that fun retro feeling of being like oh, okay wow those those lyrics were so beautiful and because you had that moment to think about it you're like oh i want more i want more and it's just you don't get that that all the time with music especially because everyone's going for all of these either these these looped melodies or else this kind of really really upbeat kind of poppy that's going to make you dance type of music you don't get this type of stuff that just gives you a second to mellow it's honestly so good and if anyone is like sitting there being like oh i don't know like no like just listen to it i've seen people say on twitter that maybe like they want to get into like into billy and they're just not she's not her their vibe and that's okay you can do that but i think if you are in any way into pop music but it's not even pop it's just kind of music i think if you go kind of fully into it like you will like her and even aesthetically like the aesthetics are incredible a 17 year old debut album art like whoa like just everything like the videos like everything about it is just so well executed it's commendable exactly like it's really the fact that she put a lot of thought into this and you can see how much thought it went into this because when you think of the whole the whole aesthetic that's gone with it like alex said with the videos and even with just the album art everything it was very, very, very well thought out. And I know that, Al, you said that's not kind of factoring her age. But at the same time, I can't help it because it's really just the fact that everything was pieced together so well. Because there's been a run up to her album now for a few months now. Because when she first released the, must have been the bad, when Bad Guys first came out and the lead up to it and the EP art and everything for it. And there's like this weird tarantula thing going on. And then there's this crown decked out in jewels, but also spiders. Like it is creepy as hell, but it's also really beautiful because you didn't see exactly what it was and it draws your eye in. And then you're like, wait, that's covered in spiders. And for me, that was too much. I'm not going to lie. I can't deal with spiders. But it's just the fact that she has just honed in on, I would still say that it is pop music because obviously it's popular music, but it's like this pop gothic mix 
and it's just it's very clever and it's just not music that I'm hearing from anyone else at the moment because even though we did compare her to Lord, they still have different sounds they have a very similar vibe but very different sounds and I'm just very proud of the fact that she is so young she is commercial and she is out there making music and just kind of being an inspiration for for young teens not even just to say young women but just to say young teens to be like no go out there make the music that is yours put your stamp on it and just enjoy it while you're doing it yeah definitely she's definitely making music as well the music that she wants to make so i think that's maybe why we find her so shocking is that like a 17 year old female pop artist like we you conjure up all these images of maybe like a Britney or Christina or whoever who, and that's who we have been programmed to expect and Billy just subverts every single aspect of that and it's almost the opposite it's like you think I'm going to sit there in a pink dress and you know curled hair and you know twiddle my fingers or whatever like no I'm actually going to like keep a tarantula in my mouth and let it fall out like it's crazy like she's just totally against the stereotype so I guess I mean we can get into the into like the nitty gritty of that album like what do you have a favorite lyric Laura I don't know if you do oh or not. god you, that's you... so mean to ask me that because there's so many I'd say to be honest I won't even say what my favorite lyric is I'll I'll just say that my favorite song which has my favorite lyrics in it and I recommend this to everyone because it's just really beautiful and it just it's it just has a lovely sentiment to it I love listen before I go Oh, I love it. Oh, it's gorgeous, guys. Like it, it's really, really wonderful, and it's all about. And it, she's like, "Tell my friends I love them, please," and all of these things. Like it's just, it's really endearing, and it just really tugs at your heart, and it's just really well written. So I cannot emphasize that one enough. Listen before I go for me is probably my number one. I have maybe a top three that are kind of all parallel actually at the moment. But if I was to go for lyrics, listen before I go with another one that I'll say in a second because I want to hear yours Al but I love Listen Before I Go yeah I love that too I think it's gorgeous I think my favourite lyric I think she's very good at lyrics first of all so I think every song is almost a line that you can pluck out and be like that's a great fucking line and it's well written and like she really is a lyricist I think I really like yeah I do I think I'm going to go with it I really like the last couple of lines in Zanny where she says what is it about them I must be missing something. They just keep doing nothing. Too intoxicated to be scared. I think that's really, I was like, whoa. Like, that's like, I don't know. Like, maybe just personally for me, I was like, yeah, like shit. Like, oh my God. Like, how are these guys so carefree and so, you know, just enabled? And she's sitting there and she's like, whoa, like, don't give me a zanny. But like, also like, I kind of want to be like that. And I can relate to that on a deeply personal level. What I really liked about the song as well is like in the chorus when she's like standing there with a can of Coke. It's like you can kind of make whatever metaphor you want out of that. But for me, it just reminded me of the fact that she has been in the industry for so many years. So obviously she's invited to a lot of parties and she's got an older brother and all of these things. But she's 17 living in the US where the legal drinking age is 21. So it's just making me think of like this young, I'm not going to say kid, but I won't say she was a kid at these parties. And probably everyone is going around with their alcoholic stuff. And there she is with a can of Coke. I think that's when it gets tough for me. Like I would have, I could have Zanny there. I could have bad guy there. I could have bury a friend there. But yeah, I think definitely I love you as my top number one. And then when the party's over is definitely a must listen as well. Yeah. No, good, good choices. Now I will say there's a couple of songs on there that haven't gripped me yet, but even as I was saying, going back to like number, our very first episode when we were discussing Ariana Grande's newest album, like for me a song kind of has to grip me and then I'll end up playing it all day like on repeat even for several days to be honest 
So I'm sure that that will probably happen with all of the tracks, just because, again, it's a very well-made album. Mm. But if I was to throw a couple out there that everyone should listen to would be I Love You. It's great. Listen Before I Go. Great. What was the other one I said earlier on? I said You Should See Me in a Crown. Oh, that that's a bit boppier. So I recommend that to a person who wants a bit of a bop. And also, I really, really enjoyed All the Good Girls Go to Hell just for the message of it all. I thought it was good. I think people should listen to that too. I think everyone should just listen to the album. The only one I don't like is I actually won't be able to remember the name. It's either My Strange Addiction where she's <gasps> using the ukulele and I've never vibed with the ukulele. No. I don't... Yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like ukulele is very like transition year, fourth year, music course. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what song? Like, what will I do now? I'm like, oh, let's do like for ukulele. Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like it lacks a certain like there's no like it's very banal to me the ukulele it's like oh like everyone has a ukulele and everyone at one stage has probably played one which is obviously me like hugely hugely undermining the talent that it does take to play it but it's still it's just what it conjures up to me is like annoying prep school people being like oh let me play you know somewhere over the rainbow with my ukulele like no like leave that alone like i don't need to hear that so that's the song that i'm like no i i that's the only skip i think for me interesting first of all would like to point out that i definitely think that you're just jealous that you can't play the ukulele but we'll get back to that mm-hmm. some other day some other time mm-hmm. for me the only skip on it would be eight i just i'm not didn't didn't draw me in wasn't a huge fan but again i'm always going to go back and give it another couple of lessons just to see before i completely write it off but that would be it for me so i guess our parting words would be go listen to that album absolutely and before we go al actually i would love to mention a couple of people, I'm not going to lie, they seem to really enjoy Recommendation Corner. Oh, really? It was a hit. It was a hit. We got some feedback. People want to keep it up. And I know that we just gave an album review. But I feel like because we gave, you know, album recommendations last week, we've just discussed Billy. I'm feeling I might move into the TV sphere this week. Okay, do it. Okay, for me, just for anyone, if you're looking for something to watch, if you want something that's just funny, lighthearted, Uh, but just incredibly entertaining for people who don't watch the great British bake-off. I personally love the great British bake-off. I get very invested into it. I pretty much, I I kind of do the, what's it that people call it? Fantasy football. I pretty much do that from the get-go with the great British bake-off because there's a top three, but they do the, a celebrity version that they do for stand up to cancer for people who don't know where to watch it. You don't have to watch it weekly. It might be over soon. I think there's only another episode or two in the running, but you can watch it on all four and you can just find it online if you're not in the UK and Ireland. It's just, I remember watching the first episode and I had, who did I have? John Richardson, Russell Brand. Oh God, it's escaping me the fact that I can't remember who the other two people were, but it's so entertaining. It's so lighthearted. And if you want some wholesome content that you can just put on in the background while you're doing something else, it's a very good one for it. So for me, highly 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I've fallen out of love with the Bake Off recently. Not that I don't like it, but I just, I don't know, maybe I missed a few. And I think when I watched the first season after I moved from the BBC and then I kind of fell out of the loop with it more so than fell out of love with it. So I'll definitely give it a go. I will listen to that recommendation myself and I will watch it and let you know what I think. Definitely do. I feel even just watch the first episode, guys, and you too, Al, just to see if it grips you because I remember laughing out loud I'd say minimum four times and that doesn't tend to happen with shows even when they are funny but there's just some because they have two comedians involved anyway it was always going to be a good setup but just would recommend 
Okay, yes. So I guess if we're going on to TV, I will also follow suit. And mine would have to be Dairy Girls. I'm obsessed. Absolutely obsessed. I think it is one of the funniest shows I've ever watched in my life. It is, yeah, and it's evil parts, hilarious, but then also gives you these, like, literally 30-second scenes where it just grounds the entire series and you remember where it's set and you remember what was going on at that time. So it's, like, heartbreaking, but also really hard. So for people who don't know, Dairy Girls is basically this Channel 4 slash RTE, I guess you'd call it a sitcom, I guess. It's like a comedy show centered on these five friends. There's five, I think there's five of them. Um, who live in Derry and it's set during the Troubles and Tommy Tiernan is in it but other than that I feel like there's no one like super famous and it's uh, Barrison Selby from Game of Thrones is in it and it's just really funny and really well made and like I said heartwarming heartbreaking all the facets that make good TV that like are in that show and I've literally just felt like I've fallen into a hole today I literally rewatched the first season for it, the second season is like ongoing now so I think we have one more episode left but I rewatched the entire first season. Then I'm going to go back down now and probably rewatch the second season. It is just, it's so feel good and it's so worth the watch. And if anyone's not watching it, it's literally their 24 minute episodes. Please watch one and I guarantee you'll like it. Oh, I cannot recommend this enough with you. Like I know that I already said my one, but like this is my other 10 out of 10 to recommend. It is so funny. And I didn't grow up in the 80s. I'm however I've been told by friends who have grown up in the 80s that it is just so spot on even with the referencing and I love that I love when a show does its homework gets the costuming right gets the setting right gets like their facts right because obviously you know the troubles are so well documented and researched that's going to be quite easy but even just other things kind of even smaller things to do with like say that what, what tv they're broadcasting on or even just how they broadcast the the radios and everything within it like it's so important to get that stuff right to set a tone and I love that they did their homework for it and obviously I cannot 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 recommend just the characters in it enough they are hilarious the so nun, funny the Alex, nun, so the nun. <laughs> sister Michael <laughs> oh my god I don't know it's if so anyone good. else went to catholic school Alex and I did so I feel that we have a particular draw towards the nun but oh my god she's iconic yeah, she's like a Catholic Sue Sylvester. Like, that's what she is. Like, and I just think, yeah, it's everyone. I think I said this to my friend. There isn't actually anyone who I don't like. And that's a really good sign. It's like, it's a good sign for a show. Like, even Friends. I love Friends. I was obsessed with Friends. But I started to get to the point where I hated Joey. And that's a weakness. At this current moment in time, I don't dislike a single person in that show. Even the villains that you're not supposed to really like, I find funny and relatable. Um, yeah, it's just, it's great. I think my favourite is probably Michelle. Michelle, I just think she kills me every time. But everyone is great. So please watch it. Please. I, I've, okay, I have so many feelings about the whole Friends comment. The fact that you hated Joey and not Ross. Look, we'll get into this another week. But that's just sticking with me at the moment. However, I will have to say, if anyone out there loves Father Ted, regardless as to which country you are listening to us from, if you love Father Ted, this is exactly the type of show for you because it's just Irish comedy at its best. It's so well written and it's just 20 to 24 minutes of pure goodness that there's just, there's no going wrong giving it a shot because you're going to be able to relate to, us, to, to it so well because you're going to be able to look back on your teens and see all of these teens just living their lives and being like, oh my God, that was me. 
and even if you are older and if you have kids like it's going to be so funny for you to watch from like a parent's perspective because the adults are so well written as well to be honest I think that they're funnier than the kids themselves everyone is just so good just a quick little thing one Joey is trash like trash we don't like him secondly I've actually never ever ever seen an episode of Father Ted not one not a single episode oh my god like Guys, I'm really sorry that our podcast had to end on episode six. My friendship with Alex is cancelled. This is too much for me to take. Also, at the end of our episode, Christ, this is going to leave quite quite an awkward week for us all. I know. I mean, but look, guys, subscribe, rate, review. And I mean, if we're back next week, I mean, I'll start building that bridge now, Laura. I want to build the bridge. Okay, look, myself and Al, we're going we're gonna to cap it off now. I'm going to try to educate him as to why Ross is the pinnacle of awfulness from Friends. I'm going to make him watch a couple of Father Ted episodes. We'll be back in the swing of things. I think that's fair. Yes, we're going to try. It's, it'll work out. And yeah, guys, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, guys. You know where to find us. We are at ITTO podcast on Twitter if you need us. We also obviously put this up on our Instas. So if you have any feedback or anything you want to say, you know, just, just slide into the DMs. We're, we're always willing, aren't we, Al? Always willing. And please tell your friends. Tell your friends, guys. Let them know. Let them know. But until then, see you next week. Yes. See you all next week.